Hello, and welcome back to the New Club Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Considine. In this episode, our guest is Mike Harmon, PGA professional and director of golf at Secession Golf Club in Beaufort, South Carolina. I've been here uh, going on 33 years now. When we asked Mike to highlight some of his golf accomplishments throughout his career, we didn't expect the list to take up two full pages. Before he played his college golf at Middle Tennessee, he won an individual state championship in Georgia and competed in USGA events. Shortly after he graduated, he earned his PGA Tour card, qualifying at Pinehurst No. 6 and playing on tour from 1980 to 1982. He made the cut at the 1980 U.S. Open at Baltusrol, a tournament later won by Mr. Jack Nicklaus. Even after he left the tour, he continued to play at a very high level, winning more than 20 times in the PGA section and continuing to qualify for PGA events. Most recently, the 2010 British Senior Open played at Carnoustie. Somehow, during this accomplished playing career, Mike found the time to become one of the most celebrated and respected PGA professionals in the country, helping build Secession Golf Club to what it is today. Secession, which is really the honor of my life. Perhaps that's why he's best known as Old Pro, but as you'll hear in our conversation today, the man's energy, style, and spirit for the game aren't slowing down anytime soon. I was the old pro about 33. As a PGA pro, he's won several PGA professional awards and has been a national finalist for Professional of the Year three times within the past decade. I hope you enjoy our conversation, learn how Mike upholds some of golf's oldest traditions while also thinking forward to how we can make the game of golf more accessible and enjoyable for everyone. Well, I guess the first thing I need to know is at what age did people stop calling you pro and just start calling you old pro? <laughs> I get that one a lot. I, I was um, the old pro about 33. You're, so I don't know. Years old. <laughs> yeah, 33 years old. I think um, I think it was in the early days, O-L apostrophe. Now it's just O-L-D. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 33 is not old. Did you, go, uh, did you have that distinguished gray look early? Is that what happened? No, no. I was just the old pro. You know, they they just it just evolved. It evolved basically with his club. I was never called the old pro at um, my other play. I I left the tour in '83 and went to uh, Hilton Head. The director of golf at Palmetto Dunes was a good friend, and he offered me a job, and I played a couple more years there hitting tour schools, things like that, before I actually got into the business. But I was at Moss Creek and uh, for a year or two. Never the old pro there. So, you know, it, <laughs> so it, it's it, old. it started here, and uh, it uh, has remained. Uh, and I even... I find myself have to be careful. I'll, I'll um, be in, uh, shoot a text or an email to a golf pro around the country and end it uh, old pro and um, <laughs> forget that he's a pro. Too. <laughs> it it's could be older work. than me. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, right. right. It's, it, uh, it's, uh, it's a moniker that stuck. And, of course, the parking spot with a sign it certainly exacerbates all the conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I remember seeing it as I pulled into secession. I go, okay, we got to meet this guy. You know, I think an, another area I wanted to start with was obviously secession. Uh, how many years did you say you've been there? Uh, 32, going into 33 for the fall uh, in uh, October. So I'm closing in on full 32 years now. 
that's wild. And and, and I sold all know. the memberships. Sold all over two thousand of them through the years. Wow. We, we have seven hundred and fifty, but they turn. You know, in like any club, you you'll you'll find five percent. We lost a ton of people after nine eleven. Uh, lost two guys in nine eleven, as you probably know, and um, the uh, um, Levine Roach Scholarship Fund is the one that was set up in their honor, and that's a just done unbelievably as well. And it's uh, we're handing out probably, and this is this is not funded by anyone. This is funded only from within. We were careful not to let it drift off into corporate sponsors and all this other stuff, just because it would have lost the the singleness and the human touch of secession. Um, we hand out hundred thirty to one hundred forty thousand in five and ten thousand dollar scholarships every year we've handed out millions already in this in this effort so um, wow um, very cool uh, but you know we've turned the membership and uh, so it's probably turned three times in 30 years and uh, uh, so it's over 2,000 memberships old so um, terrific. and I re- you know I the I remember um, somebody sharing with me just some of the tougher years, just like any golf club, uh, there's going to be hard times as it kind of goes with the economy and different, um, just so many different factors that, that impact the leisure uh, activity business. You know, what made, why did you stick with secession is probably the way to ask the question. And was it a hard, was it a tough decision? Did you ever think well, about it? Great question. I mean, I think uh, I seldom get asked that because it really does get to the crux of the matter. And um, when we were struggling in the early days, like a lot of places do in the early days, I um, I had offers to leave at two other places. And um, I couldn't go there. I had to see if this one was going to work because if it worked, it could be historic. Now, you know as well as I do, there's only a handful of clubs that are truly structured in the national, international concept. They're just not many. And and they are the finest of the finest, the best of the best. You're talking Pine Valley, you're talking Augusta, you're talking Seminole, you're talking Cypress. Um, these are, uh, Pine Valley was always the 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 model for us. Well, it takes 75, 80 years to put one of these places into play. And I think it's it's safe to say, and there's a few modern ones. Uh, the Honors Club is a little different. It's about 50-50 local and to national. Um, Case Valley is corporately structured more than we are, but has some local nucleus. And, uh, but it's, it's got a little different shakeout, but it's still predominantly structured that way. You've got some housing on site. Um, I've never been to Whisper Rock, but I hear it's something similar. So there's a few places that have come along and tried to do it a little more on a on a national, international basis. But we are as as strong. We're only five percent local. So um, this is a this is a very unique structure. And I knew that if if we could make it work it would be incredibly special. And I'm a historian. I've studied the game. I've had my degree in history. I've always read nonfiction. I um, 
I knew what could happen here. And that is, um, that was the driving force. Every other job would have been just another job. If this one worked, it was going to be very special. And we had great leaders. We had um, Ernie Ransom at Pine Valley, the, the chairman for 20 plus years there, uh, was a member early on and guided us the whole way. And and today, now 30 plus years into this thing, the numbers are exactly Pine Valley's, although we do more bed nights than they do now on site. We're approaching 12,000 bed nights on 17,000 rounds. They do about 17, 18,000. I think they do nine or 10,000 bed nights. Well, that tells you exactly what it is. I mean, it is a guy coming here for four days has three nights. The disparity between the number and the the rounds played and the bed nights is simply three nights, four days, like you do virtually anywhere else. So we we keep everybody here for the most part outside of the, the locals. Um, for the most part, we keep everyone here. Well, I mean, they're 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 rare now. We certainly are a success, but within the historical context of the game, you can't be great and only be 30, 40 years old. you got to be 75, 80 years old plus. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what thrills you about going to, I uh, just got back from Long Island and, and played National and Shinnecock and Maidstone, Garden City. I mean, these, these places have been around since, since, the early, since the late 1800s. Well, there's just something special about going to those places and being at 30 years old. You can't feel that. I think at 75 or 80, you can. So mm-hmm. our job is just to get old. I love to use the term, you can't buy old. Can't buy old. Mm-hmm. That's what developers don't understand. They think they can throw $150 million at something and it should be the best thing in the world. No, no. It can be terrific. Uh, Friar's Head up on Long Island is one of the top five modern I've played. It is superb, but it's just got to get old now. It, it, it won't. It's special, absolutely. But there's a there's a quotes around special, and special means old to me in this game, and uh, that's why we that's why we travel overseas is to see these magnificent places like Prestwick and 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 uh, St Andrews. Your your, uh, your course your course has to get old, and it doesn't hurt that your pro has the title old either. I don't. I don't <laughs> well, I never drew that link, but uh, <laughs> no, I I mean to me, I played at the highest level. I've accomplished with tons of awards and hall of fames and all this. But the true honor of my life was putting this into play because it's historic. It had, or it can be historic. Um, it can be something very special in the game, and to have a little piece of of that, um, uh, having put it into play, is uh, is the honor of my life. I played on the tour. I didn't stay out there, but I got there, and um, I've won tons of tournaments around and played in great championships as a club pro. And um, uh, I've experienced uh, outside of uh, Australia. I haven't been. Um, I've seen just about everything else. Um, in Asia, which really there's not that much in Asia that's old. Um, uh, I, so I've seen all of this and done all of this, uh, but um, put, helping to put this place into play is the honor of my life professionally. You know, the 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 thing from my perspective when I got to visit Secession was just the vibe of the place. 
and uh, and the word I guess is chill. It's a very chill vibe, but nobody's uh, in too much of a hurry. Everybody wants you to feel at home. Uh, you know, you're able to walk around that patio after you're around and just socialize with people. What what is it about? How do you do? How do you achieve that? Because I've been to some places that really say that, but it doesn't uh, it doesn't happen. They don't. You don't feel that. Uh, that sense of warmth. What is it about secession that, that, you know, how does it, how does it happen? I think it, I think it started for a large part in humble beginnings. Um, we, we were in the caddy shack for years, portable toilets, uh, dirt roads, uh, mud, horrible. Um, and, um, uh, we were running back and forth to a deli across the river and, um, um, uh, so if you wanted a corned beef at one o'clock, we had you one, uh, you sat on the porch and, and drank beers on sitting on the coolers. Um, it was, it was, but remarkably it didn't matter what they were here for was that walk. And, uh, with the onset of the clubhouse, it, it didn't get overly complicated. And I, I'm sure we'll touch on this today, but the, the the simplicity of the great clubs around the world is what's lacking in a lot of places. Um, this is just a simple place. This is a great golf course. It's ranked 150th or so in the U.S. Uh, and I love that ranking, by the way, because you, you know you don't have to. I'd like to buy that ranking. <laughs> just hold it. Just hold it right there. <laughs> just hold it right. I don't have to. You know, as you creep towards the top hundred, you have to sort of press to stay in the top. You know, to get in the top hundred. Then, if you're only eighty nine or ninety or five or whatever, and which is all you, you know, new clubs can really get outside of a handful. Uh, you have to fight to stay there. I kind of like that one fifty, uh, but it's um, it is the compilation of of the stay, the caddies, the staff. The porch. The porch is one of the great spots in American golf, if you ask me. And I think thousands upon thousands will tell you the same thing. Um, the relaxed atmosphere. This is a this is a retreat. This is this is a place, and we've got 300 plus out of New York City that have to deal with that grind every day. We're 85 percent northern membership. The they're looking to get away, and they don't want to be walking on eggshells or worried about you know. The wrong clothing in the wrong place. Um, we the, the original two general partners that I came to work with, I worked with for five years before the pr- early problems surfaced and they were ended up they ended up being taken out. Uh, we spent um, half a decade talking about what we wanted. We wanted simple, warm. Uh, Southern culture. There's a wonderful word in the in the lexicon, English lexicon, called genteel. I love that word that describes a Southern feel, a Southern experience. It's very simple. It's very understated, but it's very classy. And uh, while it's um, comfortable to you, it's still very uh, classy and and within the the, the traditional constraints of a of a great club. And uh, you do feel that. You know, we 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 do not allow you to play music while you're playing golf. We sit hard on those people, hard. We came down hard when this first broke a couple of years ago. Um can't run around with your shirt tail out and your and your your hat backwards. Um there's a simple decorum that's expected, but beyond that, we want you to have a good time. I could care less what kind of player you are. Um, I, I, I care that you play in a quick uh, pace, but I, I think all of these things combine to make this experience uh, very special, but yet not 
overbearing. We've all been to the great places where you're worried about putting, you know, your your foot in the wrong place, and um, um, that's regrettable, I think. But I think we we started out as a just a very simple, understated Southern golf club experience, and um, we've pulled that off. I, I don't. I I I, I think the thousands of letters I get over the years uh, are testament to that. It's not about just the golf course. You go to, you go to Oakmont, you go to Wingfoot, you, you go to Shinnecock, you go to Augusta and Pine Valley. The golf courses are so good. They sort of override the experience to some degree, although there's those experiences are magnificent unto themselves, each in their own way. Well, we've, we have our own experience, and um, it's thrilling uh, to see uh, the the enjoyment these people get from uh, their time here. And it thrills me now at 64 next week to see the, the 30 and 35 and 28-year-old coming in and wanting the same thing and understanding what it is we're doing. Uh, that's a that's a testament to to what we've done, and I think that as long as the leadership continues to hold and refuses to change, I mean, I I chuckle with people all the time about you know this isn't about the fifteen thousand bottle wine cellar, um, sushi at the turn, helicopter pads, valet parking. I I, I could give a rat's ass five star dining. Could care less about that. It, you, obviously, your burger needs to be excellent. Your pillows have to be good. Your sheets have to be good. Your beds have to be good. But beyond that, it's 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 peripheral stuff, and that's where clubs have lost it. They're having to compete in that area. We don't. We keep it real simple. And I would I would thrill in the fact that the same pictures were on the wall 30 years from now. Because once you go down the the route of change, you're always changing. You have some interior decorator come in here and, and do this. Well, it may look great, but a decade and a half later, somebody else will think, well, we need to change this to something else. It never stops. You know, you think of the locker room at Prestwick or the or the men's um, area at uh, Garden City. I guarantee you that stuff at Garden City has been on the wall for 100 years. I love that. I love that yeah. myopia. These wonderful, simple magnificent places that that you know the you know the glitz and the glamour of the oakmonts and the and the wingfoots and the shinnies you know all the shinnies very understated um they you know they they resonate at the very top because they are the very best we have in this country but these wonderful places that sit just below that um are are the the, the places i enjoy the most I, I tell a great story i was i was at prestwick last uh, summer and i'm Chilling in the locker room, and you can't swing a dead cat in this locker room. It's so small and antiquated. And um, but they would never change that. So I'm showing them this locker. They call it the, I think it's the, you know, the, the I forget the exact term it was. It's where it's the closest ones. And as you get older, you get these lockers. You know, it's like the next steps into heaven or something. And uh, when you get one of these, and and so I'm showing them, and I pull the door open, and the whole door came off in my hand. I was just wanting to see in one, and the whole door came off in my hand. So I I thought, oh, God, you know, put it back and and shut it, and it stayed. 
and uh, we looked around a little more than I left. Well, somewhere on the golf course, and I can't remember where, it hit me that I bet that door's been that way for 40 years. Yeah. He do, it doesn't matter, okay? Yeah. He, he doesn't care. They don't care about the locker room. They care about the, the, the smoking room and the long table. That's what they care about. The, the locker room's just transitory. The the in the, in the U.S., if a guy's locker came off its hinges, he would say, "What the hell's going on here? This is, place is falling to, it's, it's falling by the way. So it's going to hell in a handbasket." You know, you can just get somebody in here right away. No, it's priorities. They don't care about that. They care about walking that golf course in a quick pace and having a nice pop with their buddies afterwards. Period. Period. Experience, yeah. Experience, and that's what we've been able to play on, and that's what the original guys want, and the subsequent presidents who came here wanted, and have protected. And um, that simplicity doesn't cost much. You know, valet parking, fifteen thousand bottle wine cellars do. Um, that's that's the beautiful niche we've been able to hit, and. Um, uh, frankly, um, now many three over three decades later, it it's just puts a smile on my face to to um, uh, to, to see it uh, at this point. Now we're another thirty five forty years away from really being special in my mm-hmm. book within the context of the game. Um, but and and I'm losing members uh, regularly, and I have to have that conversation with all of them, some in desperate situations, some just have bad backs, bad bad knees, and and can't walk it anymore. And uh, I get to tell them, thank you. These guys have been in since the late 80s. Thank you. Thank you for what you did. This is is incredibly special, and I hope that – and they leave not asking for a card. We have two. We've had two cards for 27, 28 years. Two. That's for if you if you're a member and you came here and you stepped off the curb and you twisted your ankle and you had your buddies here for two or three days, boom, you can have one of those. But long-term cart use is eventually going to uh, be frowned upon and it'll be time to leave. Um, you know, if you're working through a, an injury, we're glad to help any way we can. Two, that's it. And I, so I've said many times, my job above everything is to make sure we don't have three. Uh, three becomes five five becomes ten and then what you enjoyed during the devlin cup ceases to exist Mm -hmm. and then you have speakers in the carts and you know hats backwards and um you you lose the classic traditional elements and look this i mean we're dinosaurs to a degree but there's nothing wrong with protecting the, the old traditions of this game is such a wonderful game. It, 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 I mean, it dates back, you know, we're, what, five, six centuries. And, uh, um, uh, you know, it's it's okay to have this. You know, we've been wide open for races, religions, genders. We've been wide open since the day we opened. But it's... Um, it, it's okay to, to have a place where you can say, look, you blow the back, you blow the knee, you got to leave in order to protect it for the next generation. And they get to enjoy what you've enjoyed for 30, 40 years. And uh, most of them, it's been a unique perspective. I've I've seen most of them can't walk by the time they're in their mid-70s, and they're pretty much not playing until, you know, uh, you know around their early 80s. Some get into the 80s and 90s. 
But for the most part, most of them are not walking between 70 and 75 and pretty much not playing by 80, 85 altogether. So even if you brought in carts, what are you actually gaining? They're still going to leave. They're just going to leave a few years later. You're not gaining anything, really. So protect it. Protect that, that beautiful walk, walking off number one. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to get back out and play any more golf when you were there late in the day. Um, but it's 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 heavenly to walk off that first tee by yourself. Um, just throw just throw the bag over your shoulder and go 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 enjoy that walk. It's the easiest walk I've ever seen for a a, a true championship golf course. Better than the links courses. I've played seven eight hundred rounds of links golf. Uh, I've, I've never seen an easier walk than this for a, a true championship golf course. So go, go enjoy that. Uh, that's that's all that matters. Everything else is fluff. It just and, we don't care. And you bring up so many points that we try to resonate with with our membership and and our community at New Club. Just that you know the simplicity of. Well, it's kind of counterintuitive. A lot of clubs will see, okay, younger generations, you know, they're always on their cell phones. Well, we got to have the USB port in our golf carts, and we yep. need to yep. accept music yep. on the golf course, and we yep. need to, you know, make sure there's all these other uh, frills and and uh, changes. But what I think uh, we miss, and when you introduce people to those traditions, when you invite them to be a part of that experience, um, they'll get a sense of connection and. And when you have a guy or a gal put their phone in their bag and walk with a caddy or walk with a bag over their shoulder, mm-hmm. it changes their whole day. And they're actually – they're present. They're free. They're able to enjoy it like you're saying. They're away. They're away. And they're, and they're away, right. Uh, and we don't get that in our busy in our busy lives. No. So it's no, and it's so hard for the for the golf for the, the the golf world in general, the golf business in general. They've we overbuilt the game. Developers overbuilt the game in the nineties and two thousands. Uh, didn't care about the golf course or its functionality. They just wanted a golf course to put houses around, and that hurt the game. Uh, that's coming back. You know, those they're being weeded out. Um, the game's growing a little bit. It's hard to grow this game. It's time consuming. It's expensive. Um, there, there's a there's a there's a lot of factors that go into it. So it's traditionally for hundreds of years been a game for for the upper class, the upper middle class. Uh, we've I think worked it to to the middle class certainly uh, over the last twenty years or so, and hopefully that will continue. Um, but it's the business is very hard. You know, you get six or eight great golf clubs in um, a town like uh, uh, Charlotte. Um, you know, they're all battling with one another, and it's hard for them to say to the guy who's who's blasting Led Zeppelin out of his cart that you have to turn that down because you may run him off to another place. They're they're afraid, uh, but they really should stand their ground. And and I think if if more and more stood their ground, you would you would have people migrating to the more traditional courses to get away from some of that stuff. Um, so I I look I'm I'm, I'm a businessman I'm a I'm a free enterprise guy. If 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 riding in a golf cart blasting you know Twisted Sister is is what you want out of your golf, then if there's enough people to support that, then good for you. 
you know, good for you. I don't, but I think this is a, a classically old traditional game, and I think for the most part it'll probably swing too far, and you'll see it come back into some more of the traditional modes. Like when you were here, you can use your iPad or your cell phone to text and check emails. Just can't talk. You can talk in one area of the club, period. And that's worked beautifully. We we couldn't hold hard and fast to nothing because you're away. These are busy people. These are high-profile people. And they, they need to be in contact in today's business climate. But it's important that you you hold a line and this worked very well for us you can sit at the phone and you know have lunch and and te- check on your your iPhone what you what you need to check uh text stay in touch but um conversations need to be held elsewhere and uh um I don't you know we don't allow you to talk on the golf course uh, we we say no phones on the course i'm sure there's people that sneak into their bag and look real quick if they're expecting an email or a text but uh that's okay that allows them to get here maybe one or once or twice more that they wouldn't be. They may not even join if they couldn't do that, given the the business climate. So I think we hit a nice, um, I think we hit a, a nice middle ground on that one. But things like the phone and looks, um, uh, actions on the golf course. I mean, there's lines to be crossed, and uh, we suspend. You know, we have to suspend some people every now and then. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, every club should suspend or kick somebody out every now and then, it seems to me, because it does, it ripples. You don't have to announce it, but it, it gets around and just helps keep the, the boundaries where they need to be. So before we move off of, of secession and, and on to some of your other experiences, what is there any, maybe a most memorable moment that you've had at secession that you'd like to share with us? Oh, Lord. Um, in 33 years, I'm sure there's quite a few, but anything. Well, the, out. the, um, the 9-11 ceremony, um, uh, at the blue gray a month after 9-11 was, um, probably the most stirring. Um, we lost two, gosh, I, I mean, we've got hundreds of guys that work downtown and, um, uh, both were Cantor Fitzgerald guys, and you know when that happened, I, I, I was thinking we could have easily have lost thirty, forty, fifty people, um, and I'm sure everybody says the same thing. Just grace of God, that one came down with as few people as boss as as it did to me. I, I still uh, just an absolute miracle that there weren't tens of thousands killed that day. Um, so. Uh, that moment, we all lined up to hit two balls out into the marsh um, before play. Uh, there's a couple of wonderful photographs that show um, from the first tee to people lined all the way around the corner on 18, 200 yards, 300 yards down the fairway, um, all firing off um, um, a ball in Jeff Levine and, and uh, Stephen Roach's name. And bagpipes and cheese, I mean, it was... Stirring, certainly. Um, the um, the member. The, there was a night they they named the member member uh, the Harmon Cup, and that one brought me to tears. Certainly, um, um, and, and just a huge thanks. The membership here has just been outstanding, and I have such a rapport with these people. I mean, we meet from the get go. That's it's um I, I handle the 
their processing and memberships and we um you know, the, the the closeness of this is as as great as it can be i i spend 30 40% of my day every day just talking to people in my office um that just come in they want me to meet their son or daughter or or their best friend who's down with them for a week. And so the interactions with these guys is as close as it can possibly be. And so to have that tournament, uh, that most special tournament of the spring, we have the blue-gray in the fall and the, the member-member in the spring. They're the only two all-member events. To to have my name on that was a, a huge honor. And um, uh, it brought me speechless, which a lot of people think – was not possible, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, there's just so many memories. The memories of the early days when we were in the caddy shack and running back and forth to that deli. Uh, God, I bet you I took ten thousand trips to that to that deli to to just I love do it. what needed to be done. That's what you do. Yeah, I. It's it's such a great uh, story of perseverance, and I, I'd have to imagine that every great golf club, whether it be a golf society or a physical location like secession, they have those stories about running to delis and, you know, <laughs> sitting on the cooler, uh, humble beginnings yeah. is how any good, good thing starts. And, um, yeah, yeah, uh, it does. And I, and I think that it, 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 it has to be protected though, Matthew, you, you, you can't let it get away from you. It's vitally important, and the leaders here have been very good about that through the years to to keep it affordable. This is a very inexpensive place. It's about thirty grand equity. Uh, you pay a transfer fee when you leave of, of about five six grand, but it's 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 your equity, four grand a year dues. Well, you could go to, I mean, you could probably sell them all day long at a hundred hundred fifty thousand. Um, you could have it more elevated and charge more dues, but I, I, I have always thought, as the leaders have, uh, that in doing so, you might lose what you remembered most about the place, the warmth, the comfort. Um, yeah. I'm very proud of the fact that it's not a lot of money. Um, some haven't, just coming back from that Long Island trip, I mean, the numbers for those clubs up there are absolutely staggering numbers. I, I just... Make you shake your head. I mean, they're darn near seven digits. Um, I mean, it, it, it's just mind-boggling. Well, I someone asked me not too many years ago what the president did. This was Steve Smith out of Virginia, wonderful one. He ran the club for about six, seven years, and um, somebody asked me what he did. And I, I started reflecting on it and. I, I don't. He was a president. Twenty. He's a member for twenty-two, twenty-four years, and he's president for six or seven. And, and I said, I, you know, I don't really know. And and then I started thinking about the membership in general, and I, I don't know what almost any of these people do. I really don't. I know some are doctors, some are Wall Street guys, but I, I don't. I don't really know what they do. It's never come up. That's rare. That's that, rare. That is uh I've tried to make a point of that on the golf course actually is when I meet new people, um I I think it's just common nature to say, Well, what do you do? And you get down a path of, you know, titling folks by their uh professions or their income mm -hmm. and and I, I just I've I've stopped it and you find that if you connect with somebody, whether it be the game of golf or just one of their other interests first, uh, you get to know somebody a lot better. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's high golf IQ right there. 
that really is. I mean, you're enjoying it for what it is, and and you're you have some shared um, experiences and and likes and such. But I I don't. I've always been proud of the fact that you know the two tenants really were to keep the prices down and to make it keep it mandatory walking. And I think that's laid and truly national, international. You know, it's a, um, uh, protect that five percent local. Um, and and now you never have that local issue um, that that comes up. So uh, those are the tenants of of the club, and and they've been really the foundations of our success. Um, so it's a you know it 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 still evolves back to uh, simplicity. And and that's the um, byline for every great club I've been to. Shinnecock was uh, hadn't been there in about ten years, and I mean Shinnecock is is I mean it's arguably the best golf course in the country. It, it reminded me of Muirfield uh, in Scotland. It's just very it's a very fair test, but a very stern test. Whereas Oakmont can just kick you in the teeth. You yes. know, so you can argue Oakmont. You can argue. Augusta and Pine Valley and uh, and such, and no one would be wrong, frankly. But the the simpleness of of Shinnecock was just breathtaking. I just love it, and and that's why I adore Prestwick uh, overseas. Uh, it, it just smacks of that simplicity, and um, that's been our model. And my um, Lord, at this point, it's it's worked beautifully. So it's it seemed like you've been, and we'll we'll. Uh kind of move out of South Carolina because I want to talk to you about all your experiences elsewhere. I mean, it seems like you've been everywhere. Uh, you've played, was it 80 of the top 100 golf courses in the world? Um, is there a place that you haven't been to? Uh, Australia. Oh, okay. Australia. Yeah, Australia. I was hoping to get there this this February. Uh, dear friend and member is looking to go and I'm, I'm I've got a bit of a problem at home i've got a wife and her daughter that are, are very ill and uh it's limiting they, they're they're it, it, i have to be careful about my time i still do um a fair amount of activity um as part of i got the greatest wife in the world we've been married 38 years she's never once said why do you have to go there why do you have to go to that meeting or why do you have to serve on that board or whatever i mean she's just been phenomenal but um I need to be somewhat close, and to go to Australia—that's a good two, two and a half. And um, you know, one day I hope to see those. That sand belt of uh, Melbourne is is outstanding. We've got members down there that are international members here, and uh, I just I just know I'm going to love that. But aside from that, no, got close to uh, South Africa uh, and Durban, um, which is now. I think Rhodesia now, um, or was Rhodesia now Zimbabwe or something. I, I got, I had a trip, I had a chance to get close to that one. Never really been an Asia guy. Um, I'm a student of history and and mostly European history. So the the Asian culture, which is magnificent, I, is is this never. Um, drawn me there, but there's some some wonderful golf. They're mostly new. There's a couple old. I tend to look for old. I don't care so much about the new. Um, I, I want to experience these these wonderful old places. So, but my trips to um, 
the UK alone, I, I leave Thursday of this week for another trip. I think that's probably 73, 74, 75th trip over there to just uh-huh. the UK. So um, um, I've got another whole life over there, friends, associations, memberships. I've joined several clubs in St. Andrews. Um, um, it is... Um, it is special. It is so special. And I'm a. I grew up on a, a dirt, an old nine-hole dirt track. It was a Tillinghast in Atlanta. It's no longer there, and um, there was no watering to speak of. And uh, um, so it was hard as a rock as I was playing my my junior golf there. And uh, um, as soon as I got on the links golf courses, I was perfectly at home. I learned to flight my ball to make it run. And um, just because conditions are hard doesn't necessarily mean it will run. You throw the nine iron straight up in the air, it's not going to roll very far. You drop a ball on a hardwood floor, it's not going to roll very far if you just drop it straight down. It has to come in at a certain angle in order to release. And, um, boy, once I got on that turf, I was at home. That's golf to me. The Lynx land is just extraordinary. And... uh, the 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 finest clubs in the country, the Muirfields, the Troons, the St. George's, the Sunningdales, the Dornicks, uh, the Cornustes, they they all have the same turf, but so does the five pound municipal, and yeah. uh, it's marvelous, marvelous turf. So, yeah, there's not much I haven't seen. I I haven't seen Cypress, which is right at the top of the list. Um, I, I did get a chance to see Band and Dunes this spring, which was a nice uh, trip. They, they've done a remarkable job there um, with uh, uh, with what are going to be tremendous golf courses as they evolve over time. You know, the the the, the old McDonald was probably my favorite, but it's still a baby. It's going to take a, a while for that one to evolve into. Um, uh, what it will ultimately be, but uh, yeah, Cypress is is right there. It's not picked off Fisher's Island and Chicago Golf Club a couple of years ago, which exceeded my expectations. Um, I was blown away by those. I don't get blown away much. I was blown away by Maidstone a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I had not played Maidstone. I was thoroughly impressed with that, and I it's been touched by Crenshaw. Um, I guess in the last four or five years. So what I saw was not what it was for 60 or 70 years, I guess. But, um, God, I was really impressed with that. I was, I hadn't stopped talking about it. So, um, uh, yeah, there's not many I haven't seen, though. So, so if you have one week left on on this, this earth, what, where do you go to play as many courses as you can? What, what regional area would you, would you be on? St. Andrews, no doubt. No, I, I adore that piece of land. People ask why? Why you're so infatuated with it? You give me. I'm a good player, still a good player. I'm still, you know, sneaking towards my age, shooting my age. Um, the um, I can you give me a, a a modern golf course for the most part. You give me three or four times around it. I know eighty five percent of it, ninety percent of it. I'll know in five trips around it. I've played the old course thirty to forty times, and I don't think I know fifty percent of it. <laughs> that's that's the difference. And 
I mean, it is just, there's no place on earth like it. I adore going out on the new or the Jubilee at 7 o'clock in the morning by myself with nine clubs and a small leather bag, and poof, off we go. Um, walking back into that town, uh, there's nothing like it. Uh, the history, the feel. Uh, teeing off and finishing on the old course is probably the finest experience you can have in golf. Um, I, I just don't know. Augusta, I'm a Georgia boy. I saw Mr. Jones once. I was an Eastlake guy, won the, won the state public links, and Eastlake gave me a membership for a few years. And um, I um, adore him, and, and he was always my idol, uh, just a class act um, from start to finish, and uh, a fun guy. I mean, he liked to tell stories. He liked to have his bourbon. He, you know, he 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 enjoyed uh, the camaraderie of the game uh, far more than the competitive side. We all know that it's well chronicled. How the, the the pressures of tournament golf really got him down. He loved. Uh, he just loved the game. But the uh, um, Augusta's incredible, and and there's no place in the world with recall like Augusta. I mean, even St. Andrews, you're, you're hard-pressed to think of five or six shots uh, that you've ever seen in, in, in major competition there. I only have to say the 12th at, at Augusta. You can think of 10 shots you've seen there, 11, 13. 13 maybe. I think 13 is the best golf hole in the world at Augusta. I, I, just, that is a perfect golf hole. Um 15, 16. I mean, we can just, you, the recall there when you play is just extraordinary. Uh, so it's very special. But if I if I only had one week left on this earth, I'd be going out on the old course every day. That's for sure. So so in St. Andrews, you're, uh, you're a member of a few different golf societies, right? Um, is it, did I read correctly? The New Golf Club of St. Andrews, you're a member there? Uh, correct. New Golf Club, and um, I got in it recently. I've been a member of the St. Andrews Golf Club, which is the one to the right of 18 Green, uh, for over a decade now. Um, a real honor uh, to get in there. As you know, that's this part of the um, the politics of, of the game, and, and very historic. Golf professionals weren't considered gentlemen, and uh, they were the working class, and uh they have uh, never been allowed into those places. Um, the uh, uh, the RNAs um, very very difficult uh, to pull that one off as a golf professional. I just haven't cracked that one through yet. Um, Muirfield, St. George's. Um, um, uh, I I would adore to belong to Prestwick. It would just be one of the real honors of my life, and that's. Possible, possible. That would be a glass ceiling uh, to break through, certainly. But uh, yeah, these getting in the golf club was a big deal. It was a, a real honor, and um, I don't get there much. I'm, I'll, I'll be there for a few nights, um, uh, having a few beers with the boys in, in the club, and um, some coffee and bacon rolls in the morning before going out. Um, I adore going there, but it's the honor. It's just like our internationals here. They don't get here much, but they they want an affiliation with the club. They want uh, they become ambassadors for us, and I'm an ambassador for those two marvelous clubs and uh, that marvelous town. There's just uh, there's nothing quite like it. That the and you might not be aware of this, but we actually derive our name uh, New Club from the New Golf Club of St Andrews because uh, when I was I think it was 2015, a group of us that. Uh, just our Saturday morning group 
you know, scheduled a trip and we were invited uh, through one friend's relationships to, to be guests of the new golf club that day. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it changed my perspective on golf. It really did because um, I had been over there before. I, I knew I had an appreciation for the golf. Uh, I started to get a little bit more into the history. But the traditions of this club and just the uh, just everything you just said, the um, the connection that they had with each other and that they wanted you to experience for their club and their courses, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that's what it really was about. It, it was about those connections and those relationships. And, um, and and I think younger generations need more of it. So that's that's where we get our name. Exactly. And, and I wondered about that and, uh, when we chatted, uh, if there was a link. So it does make sense. Um, the, the secretary there is uh, Mark uh, Richardson. Uh, real affable, outgoing, uh, delightful, delightful man. And uh, I've gotten to know him through the years and um, 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 was um, finally wanted to be a part of it and was uh, thankfully accepted last year. So I'm Congrats. Just, um, That's really thrilled good. to be a part of that one as well. And uh, they have some flats there. They have a couple of beds, so I may I may steal a night or two um, there in the years to come. The the, the the you know you talked about the interaction of the two of the clubs. There's a marvelous. It's called I think it's called the town matches, and um, they have a match uh, where they uh, I, and I don't know the structure, but there's there's an event played on the old. But then that evening, all four of the clubs. So it would be RNA, the golf club the new club, and I think the Thistle. I think there's another society, the Thistle, that has an actual brick-and-mortar place as well, has um, uh, an open house. And apparently this night is just a barn burner. I would love, I would love to be there for one of these nights because you, they just, they just more, they just roll in and out of every each club. I, I can't even fathom how late that night goes. Um, so uh, that would be that would be one of the highlights uh, to catch that one at, at some point. I did play in one event uh, in the golf club not long after I was there. I happened to be there for uh, the spring um, meeting and uh, got to play in the the medal and uh, won uh, low gross at uh, 71 on the old and got this magnificent uh, silver tanker that I keep behind the bar here and drink my 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 uh, uh, beers out of the out of it and, and but then uh uh, the 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 secretary there, Mr. Gallagher. I I sent him a letter not long after that and said, look, I'm I'm sure this created some consternation for you. I can assure you, I'll not play in another event again. I got my tankered. I got my one tankered. <laughs> they don't like professionals. Uh, you know, I think they've warmed to professionals through the years, but uh, uh, having them win the spring medal was probably a real pisser for most of them. So I, I, t- I told them I wouldn't be back. The boy, I got my tankard, so I'm I'm very pleased with that. But it's just a, you know, it's an incredible place. The town, the restaurants, the the whole vibe. I mean, you you you, you go, you know, into Dunvegan, uh, the Jack and Shane, this place who they just sold it. Uh, uh, you, you go in there and, and, and have some fish and chips and, and four or five Guinnesses, and you make your way to wherever you're staying, and you, you walk past a guy carrying his clubs at 10 o'clock at night. He's coming from off the golf course. Um, uh, it, it, there's just no place like it, period. 
period, not in the game. Now, is it the best golf course? I, people ask me that all the time. No, I, I don't. I, you know, the old course and, and Augusta really need to be set aside. They're in a class unto themselves and everything else below that. Uh, I think Dornick, Muirfield, and, and Turnberry are the top three in Scotland. County Down is magnificent. Port Rush is going to be really great to see on TV next year for the Open Championship. Um, Sunningdale, I love in England. Um, uh, had a great trip uh, there not too long ago. I was um, invited over for the the uh, Oxford Cambridge Golfing Society. It's called the Moles. You probably are familiar with them. I have heard Wonderful. of that. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful group. They uh, they had their uh, centenary at uh, Royal St. George's, and I got an invite. Uh, we've hosted many of them through the years, and I got an invite for this evening. And black tie affair was spectacular. But we stopped, and um, so I I had to pack my tux in my golf bag, my travel bag. So I had to I had I had uh, my clothes for three or four days, but I didn't have enough room for my formal so I, I wadded it up and then eventually had it pressed uh, once I was down there and uh, but I was carrying very lightly uh, and uh, so I took nine clubs only took my traditional nine clubs which I enjoy doing a lot and actually advise juniors to do that a lot play nine clubs you get, you, you have to make shots uh, you have to hit really hard or really soft stuff but um, went and played Sunningdale shot 33 33 66 with nine clubs had the um, had the had the caddies talking on that one. So, I bet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I get a nice. Uh, I've got a nice uh, invite uh, on this, co- this upcoming trip. Um, um, Carnoustie uh, invited me to their black tie fair for their 150th. We've had a wonderful yeah. relationship with them for a long time. Uh, the pro Collins and Claire is easily one of the finest pros in the UK, and uh, he is. Um, um, I've stayed with him many times. He's been here many times, but uh, uh, we'll celebrate um, uh, that. Um, I think it's the 24th. So uh, um, very, you know, this is, I mean, like I said, I have another whole life over there. I've been yeah. over there so many with another whole group of friends that are hundreds and hundreds deep. So uh, oh, that, is, that is a wonderful place. And, and you're, um, well, you're headed to Carnoustie. You played there in the, was it the 2010 British Senior Open? I did. I did. Went over first time, qualified. Um, qualified at, um, in Dundee. Oh, gosh, forgive me. I've, um, I forget the, I forget the club. A, a wonderful, um, it was a um, James Braid course. The name will come to me. It was delightful. Um Got in, um, shot, turned it one under, and was on the leaderboard um, at the turn, and um, and then doubled ten, and um, had a had had a spin out on nine to go two, which I think would have been the lead. Um, I think Longer won that event. I think he had he was at, he had finished two or two was the lead. Uh, the front side you can negotiate it at Carnoustie. The back side's just a butt kicker. I mean, it is. You just saw it. You can see how hard that is coming in, especially 15, 16, 17, 18, are brutal. But 12, 10, uh, those are very hard holes. They'll give you a chance to make birdie at 14, but um, uh, at spectacles. But it's a. Uh, it was a real honor. I, I played. I didn't. I mean, I've I've always been just on the periphery as a player. I, 
um, got my tour card. I, I played at the U.S. Open at um, Baltusrol in '80, where Nicholas won. Um, missed and uh, missed the next year at Marion, where David Graham won in '81. Um, had to call a penalty on myself at Eastlake uh, on the twenty. 20- Sixth hole, I was a couple of shots under the mark and hit the wrong ball out of the rough. Didn't realize it until I got to the green and uh, made triple. Went on to make nine pars, missed it by two. Um, so it uh, that's that was as close as I ever got again. Um, but I've as a club pro, I played the qualified for the Heritage through a section spot and uh, played in that one at um, at Carnoustie. So I've been able to. I'm a, I like to say I'm a rock solid three four handicapper on the tour. <laughs> I shoot seventy five. I shoot seventy five every time. Forty thousand people have a tendency to kind of screw you up. I don't ever play. I never practice. I um, I swing a weighted stick every day. That's about it. And, uh, and uh, but yet I play well enough to every now and then get into a very uncomfortable situation, and that's playing in a tour event. <laughs> but uh, I it's fun. It's fun. I, I just go there to have fun. That's it. I'm not thinking I'm going to win the tournament. Um, it's very uncomfortable to, to, to. I mean, I might only play a couple times a month um, here, um, and then all of a sudden to be out in front of forty, fifty thousand people's a, a little unsettling. But um, it's a little different. Not not bad. I mean, I've been there before, so it's not uncomfortable completely. But it's just your game's not really ready for that. But um, yeah. no, I've been blessed incredibly with with um, you know the chance to do stuff like that. And the 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 Carnoustie thing was just a real real nice gift late in my career to to do something um, special. And uh, we made a go out, and I think I shot a couple of seventy eights or something like that, seventy seven, something like that. One thing I've liked to uh, to learn from different PGA professionals is what they've learned from their playing experiences. Uh, I think that's that's really impactful because just like you said, when you when you get in those moments when you're under the gun, it's it's just very different. Um, how has that you you coach? I know you've worked with some prominent PGA players like Mark Anderson and uh, a lot of aspiring younger amateurs. What what is it in your philosophy uh, that you drive from? from your playing experiences that you like to coach with? Well, I, I'd say the overarching one is that um, golf professionals need to be keeping their eye out for great young talent around them. Uh, I need, I had a, I had a, a guy that owned a driving range near my house uh, in Atlanta that uh, I eventually, um, beca- who became a, my teacher and a mentor who was a good player and um, became like more like a father to me. Um, or a second father, I had a, I had a tremendous mom and dad. Uh, but uh, he he became um, uh, a real mentor to me. But he never played out there. Um, he he certainly was a good player, and he gave me every opportunity that he could. And um, I uh, uh, I I'll owe him. I just saw, saw him. He's eighty six. Just saw him uh, last week in Atlanta. Um, went up for another lesson, you know, just a little tune up is neat to neat to be with him. Uh Jim Gunter. But um I I I have since I needed somebody that was at one of the clubs in Atlanta to pull me in and say, Hey look, you can really play this game. And here, you've got carte blanche playing privileges. 
uh, I'll make sure you get all the equipment that you need, whatever you specifically need. Um, um, pick the range for me. You know, you're not going to get paid. We'll give you a lunch or something. Uh, it wasn't about money. It was about access. And uh, I was um, kind of relegated to playing the, the, the public links golf courses. And I made it work. I, I got through it and, and, and made all of that work with the help of uh, a lot of people like Jim. Um, but when I turned pro, especially once I got locked into Buford, we started looking for kids in high school that were 13, 12, 13 years old that are shooting even par. Um, uh, or, or you know, in the mid seventies, at twelve and thirteen, you'll you'll often hear of, of of seventh graders playing on high school golf teams, and 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 showing some talent. Well, I want that kid in here, and we have done that now for two decades. Uh, Mark came to us at thirteen; he's now thirty-one, and there were several before him. He's he obviously becomes the poster child for for something like this because he went on to. Won the, he won the state junior. He won the state amateur. He he um, and he's been on and off the tour between the web and the tour for um, five or six years now. Uh, an incredible player. But I mean, there are many more, and and I've been thrilled. There's a great stable of um, we've got three 13 year olds right now that we're going to be able to impact uh, and have an impact on their lives uh, in the in the years to come. And uh, we set them up with clubs. Set them up with all the equipment they need. Uh, mentor them on where they should be playing, what they should be playing. Obviously, I've got a staff of three or four professionals that can help the kid at any time. He's got carte blanche access to the club. Uh, we eventually, once they move into 15 or 16, uh, I think it has to be 16 to caddy. We we let them caddy. They'll just, if nothing else, they'll do single bags. And the members love having those kids out there. Uh, and so they are able to put a little money in their pocket, uh, which will help fund their their junior programs. Anderson, um, I was able to convince Anderson to not turn pro once he graduated from South Carolina. He was a two-time All-American there, but he had won the Players Championship in an off year for the Walker Cup, and he was high on points in the Walker Cup, and I was able to um, um, convince him not to turn pro uh, just because uh, if, in fact, you made the Walker Cup, um, that's a that's a marker you carry the rest of your life. That's a huge deal, and, and the Nicholases and the Watsons and everyone else would say the same thing, that their Walker Cup experience is one of the greatest in their lives. Well, he uh, he he didn't have the money to do that, and so we were able to to put together a, um, a group of guys to help fund his travel for that summer in order to get his Walker Cup. Ran it through the South Carolina Golf Association, so it was all clean and legit. And just didn't give him money, and um, he was next guy out at Marion. Didn't he? Did, he needed. He needed another round in the U.S. Amateur. He needed, you know, a slightly top three or five finish instead of top seven or eight uh, in some of the in the Porter Cup or the Northeast and North South stuff like that. But uh, um, that's mentoring. That's that's what I do. So it's not just opening the golf course to these kids, but it's really uh, pouring out um, your experience to these guys. And and with my experience, unlike my coach, he didn't have any of these experiences. We sort of fought through it together. But with my experiences uh, now, if um, I'm 40 years a golf professional next month, September of '78 was was when I uh, graduated from Middle Tennessee in the summer and. Um, 
and turn pro immediately. Um, in 40 years, um, I have a lot that can help a kid. So do my staff guys. And um, I, I always hire good players. I think that's something a PGA professional should pay close attention to. I, it's why I can teach a kid how to do anything in this business. Can't teach him how to shoot 65. That's instant credibility to a, to a member that goes out and plays with him. So um, all of my kids help these young juniors, and uh, they 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 eventually tap into our Levine Roach Scholarship Program and uh, get these wonderful grants to help them with college uh, from the club. Uh, so it's a marvelous um, program that we've put into play here, and uh, we're proud of these kids, and there's many of them uh, that have come through. Uh, I think we've had two junior titles won, state junior titles now, and uh uh, I think six or eight have gone on to college golf. So um, some some are real good at 13 and not so good at 18. That happens. Uh, that doesn't matter. They're good kids. They have to make grades. Um, they um, We do a lot of checking on them individually before they um, are brought into our little academy. But uh, I, I would just say to the golf professional, keep an eye out for that kid in the neighborhood who's not – affiliated with anybody look in the papers look at their scores and if there's a good young talent out there grab him bring him in he needs that it's, 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 it costs nothing to bring him in and he and he helps us he he picks the range he'll caddy some he'll take out the garbage wash the, the two carts <laughs> you know he's got two carts <laughs> yeah. to wash uh <laughs> they they uh um that 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 reach is what I needed in my own life, and eventually got through that uh, with the help of my teacher and um, and and some others. But uh, it shouldn't. It, there there are a lot of kids that kind of fall through the cracks that I think we could have uh, changed their lives. And and the ones that don't even go on to play college, we'd still change their lives. We helped them with a scholarship fund. They helped us, and and we helped them. So uh, it's reach. It's a it's a it's reaching out uh, to these great young kids and i've been blessed immeasurably obviously by the by the um the, the success of mark um who's um having his second child today as a matter of oh, fact wow. uh he's uh so a special day for for them but uh he's been um a great um ambassador for our club as have all of these kids and uh we're very we're very proud of them but uh to to that point, I mean, obviously, we can talk all day about the business and and, and such, but I I'm quick to tell these professionals to to look out for the for those those kids that are showing talent but just don't have access um, to to golf and equipment and teaching and everything else, tournaments and and funding to uh, that I mean, you just never know. There's a there's a diamond in there somewhere, and I certainly found one. You may only find one. In 40 years, doesn't matter. Found one for sure. All have gone on to do beautifully, but here's one that made it to the tour. I I told him I'd be there for two days. I'd be there when he got his tour card, and I'd be there when he tees it up at Augusta for the first day. Uh, everything beyond that is I'll let him handle on his own. But uh, Mark and I tend to stay in touch by text almost um, every tournament, and um, that's been a real a real blessing in my life. What I love most about that and just the ideal of of reaching out and, and paying it forward, you know, someone helping you along. And and uh, I, I think even if they don't pan out to be, you know, the player that, that Mark is, 
um, they they build by being at a place like Secession, you build a a golf IQ that adds to your appreciation and just love for for this game, and that is contagious in itself. So those Correct. players, I mean, they're going to go on and and work with other kids, talk to family members, talk to friends, uh, and share that IQ, share that next level of of golf uh, with others, and it that's what I think really builds uh, the game the way that it should be built is is that type of contagious uh, spreading of it all. There's no doubt, and and the, these kids, even though, and and frankly, Mark set the bar so high that a lot of them have dealt with trying to measure up to him. Well, that's unfair to them. That that that's that's an that's an unfair expectation. Here here is probably one of the most talented players I've ever seen. Um, and, and to to try to keep up with what he did is absurd. I had a young kid who's who's playing college golf now who struggled with that. He he was showing more talent at 13 and 14 than he evolved into, but he's still on the outer fringes of a small college trying to play. And um, but he felt that pressure. Well, we could care less, as I said. We just want good kids, and they're going to get their degree. And then what they do after that uh, will go. But I do know one thing. They're still going to be playing golf. They're going to be a member of a club somewhere. That's doesn't right. matter if they play college golf. They're going to be they're going to be playing this game. They're going to be taking trips to Scotland and Ireland because they have to see those places. These these are people that are going to be playing golf. That's all that matters, really. That's uh, that's that's all we care about. Uh, I don't I don't care if he he wins the state junior. That doesn't. If he does, terrific. That has no bearing on us helping him at all. None. And um, I, I, there's a there's a couple of good young 13 year olds right now that I get excited about. I'm, I'm, they're showing progress. Well, I get to enjoy that for the next six, seven, eight years till yeah. they go through college. That's that's very cool. And uh, and and it's just not that hard for a golf pro in a big city. You know, you take an Atlanta or Charlotte or a Philly or or, or, or Chicago you can get the information on who's doing well in state juniors and small junior events. So you can find out where they are. And you look at, a say, like a, a state junior uh, field, and it'll list the cities. And you see a kid that that's in the top 20 from your little hometown, find out about that kid. Find out about where he's playing. If he's playing at a nine-hole goat track and doesn't have the money to play but once every, you know, a couple of times a month, boom, that's the kid. Yeah. That's the guy. Yeah. Bring him in. Now you, he's mentored by you, by the pro and, and, and the staff. He's around a club. He's learning the, 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 I, the golf IQ side, as you say. And who knows what he's going to do? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I mean, you've, you've, you've allowed him to be as good as he could be. I was selling clothes, for crying out loud. I was selling high-end clothing in Atlanta when I should have been on a golf course. Huh. I should have been working. I've been a thread guy all along. Loved the clothing side. My little shop here won the National Merchandiser of the Year for the PGA. The National, not just the section, but the and, National. And it's 400 and square feet. Before I even met you, I, I knew you were one of the best-dressed pros in the country. I've, I've had friends tell me that, and <laughs> I've met you before I did. Well, I love it. That's If I have a vice, that's it. That's not much of a vice, I guess, but I love good <laughs> clothing. Good and... Um, and um, I, but I should have been snatched out of that men's store by somebody and said, "Hey, look, man, you can play this game. Come on, here, yeah. do this. 
I, I don't have a car. I can't get there. Well, I'll get you there. We'll figure it out. You know, work on the weekends. We'll do whatever. There's that 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 I would have needed that. I think that would have helped push me along and probably made me a little more comfortable in the surroundings that I was in. But by the time I got out there, I was I, you know I've been dreaming about playing on that tour forever. I didn't have any real background into that. It was very unstabling and just like in today's world, you're only out there for a year. Poof, you're gone. So you you better be adjusted. Heck, that first tournament I played, the first tournament I ever played in on the tour was the U.S. Open at Baltusrol. Wow. My God, I wanted autographs. I'm in the yeah. locker room. I was want, I was wanting autographs. Well, that's not that's not how you make a cut. Okay, that's not that's that's not. Uh, you have to be somewhat centered on what it is you're trying to do, and I and a mentor could have helped there that that had been there. Not like I said, my coach was a marvelous teacher, marvelous, but he had never been there. He he knew as little about what to expect. You know, how do you do you tip? Do you tip the locker room attendant? How do you know it? it you there's just little things that you mentor people in, and um, that's what I've been able to do. Since um, stepping into here and, and and get to use, you know, one of the great clubs in America to 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 do that at. So, um, um, how, how many just a professionals are there in the country? If I if you had to ballpark it, I think there's twenty five to thirty. I think twenty eight thousand. It seems like I've heard that number recently. There's a lot of commercials now with the PGA going on. I, I think I heard um, twenty eight thousand the other day. Yeah, I was just thinking through as you're talking about you know grabbing somebody to. Uh, to reach out to and and put them into your your club and your program. I mean, if every club pro did that, that's that's a big impact. That's thirty thousand sure. sure. new kids. Thirty thousand kids have that yesterday. That would be that's huge. Right. That's right. And even if and, I, I'm, I'll take it a step further, if if you got every member of a of a uh, a certain club to um, to reach out to some kid that's in, deserving in a way, and maybe it's one round a month or something, uh, that that would really be a huge impact on the game of golf. Well, I, I I think that it's 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 very simple. It really is, and they and most of these clubs have great junior programs anyway. Even if these clubs, like I, I don't have juniors, you know, we don't have juniors here. We don't. They, there's nobody lives here really with kids. We'll we do some outreach to boys and girls clubs, things like that. But the 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 normal club, the the home club, um, they they've done a great job in expanding junior programs. This junior league thing is really done beautifully. The the PGA's run. Um, the, these leagues are are spectacular. Take on kind of a team concept uh those are delightful but even within the junior programs the pro needs to identify that one guy or those two guys uh, they 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 you can tell them you can you can pick them out the first junior clinic i went to two guys that were really good players at that club it was a public course actually they they were they played there um, they identified me immediately, and both of them. One played college at Houston, which was one of the top schools in the '60s and '70s. Uh, the other was um, a college player from the Northeast, and and they were businessmen in Atlanta, and just played at this wonderful um, uh, Dick Wilson uh, course outside of Atlanta. And um, uh, they had junior clinics there. Uh, it was a county facility, and. Uh, they picked me out immediately. Gave me wedges. Gave me putters. Gave me balls. Gave me stuff. And 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 that type of. But, but they're working people. They weren't professionals. The professionals should have grabbed me, and said, "Hey, you can play." You know, those two guys should have gone to the professional, kind of like the members you're talking about. Hey, this kid right here can play. 
Let's, let's, let's see if we can get him. doesn't cost the club anything. You don't have to pay him. Just they're picking up your range or they're punching the woods or they're um, taking out the garbage around the shop. Just just have them do something. Every time they come to the club, I have them check in with either the caddy master or the golf shop to make sure there's something that doesn't need to be done. And um, if there's nothing to be done, poof, off they go. Go do whatever you want to do. Work on your yeah. game. Uh, it, it's not that hard, but you're right. I've never thought about it, extrapolating that out to every pro in the country. But, um, I mean, you could add 20,000 to the, to the roles very quickly, but it's, it's really as much mentorship as it is just access to play. You, you, you're looking to make sure this kid, I've, I, I just set up with, um, I've been a Titleist leadership uh, committee guy, um, for several decades. And, um, the, um, um, I got in, re- in contact with my Titleist rep, and so I've got a really good kid here who's playing horrible equipment and still finishing as a 13-year-old in the top 20 or 30 in the state and in the state junior. He's just he's, he was just 13 years old. Um, we need to get him squared away. Is there a program here? Boom, got a call back. Absolutely, I got him seeing a technician on Tuesday of next week. Oh, 13. Wow. Well, this kid's going to have a spectacular set of clubs, perfectly fitted for him on Tuesday. But by the time he's 17 or 18, he's probably going to have to have another set. Well, who do you think he's going to have? Who do you think, you know, what club is he going to carry the rest of his life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no doubt about that. I mean, Tyler's right. smart. They're not stupid. Uh, <laughs> so so there's the mentorship where the pro intercedes on behalf of the kid. And if this kid's an underprivileged kid... Um, we'll make sure that he has some funding uh, between myself and the and the members. We'll make sure he has some funding through the South Carolina Golf Association to go play in six or eight tournaments during the summer. That's now you're now you're impacting people and uh, you're impacting a, a kid uh, uh, who can play. I I love the junior programs. I love having people. Getting the kids, I don't, I don't have to do with it, or have to deal with it. I did at other clubs, but here, there's not really a junior fours. Nobody, nobody lives here. Um, but um, the, uh, um, the, this, this, it's this. Um, as far as the, 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 the kid was, I think, um, uh, you know, we get a chance to, to um, put this kid into the, the, the programs he needs to get, the equipment he needs to get, the tournaments he needs to get. And and then we've just given him a chance to be as good as he could be. That's all I care. I don't care if he plays golf in, in college, could, could care less. And a lot of them feel that pressure to do that, but that's not the case at all. You're just looking to help the kid. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's impactful. And w- one other thing I wanted to ask you about that uh, I, I, I don't know anything about, but I just read that, you had this uh, concept with other PGA officers uh, called Park Golf. Um, could you maybe share with us a little bit about what that is? And- <laughs> well, it, the, this is the, the the highest form of golf IQ, I guess, because the, the people that I've talked to, including the PGA, just thought it was from Jupiter or something. Um, a lot of clubs are closed now. You know, there are residential communities that were built. That, um, that you know, there's they had 300 houses planned, and they sold 200, and and this is like we talked uh, talked about earlier. The the developer built the golf course not because he cared about the the game of golf; he cared about the the selling the houses around it. Well, those have failed in many cases. 
Uh, there's not enough support to keep the golf course open. Um, you know, heavens, I mean, just on the the minimal scale, it's you know you're going to have to spend three, four, five hundred thousand dollars to keep your golf course open and and, and somewhat attractive to play. Uh, but even then, you can't generate a lot of money because they they tend to go hand in hand, don't they? You know, the more you spend, the more you can charge. Um, and uh, what were we going to do with these these developments that have um, um, folded where the golf course is closed? You, you've got there's usually land permitting that doesn't allow expansion into those areas. They were set aside primarily for tax purposes. And uh so there's so you know, the guy that has a three, four hundred thousand dollar house and he's looking at, you know, wild strawberry farm out in his backyard that used to be a golf course, that's not helping his real estate values. And um so I, I approach them and I and, and I'm the PGA I think probably has some money to help um do one. I I, I tried to get a couple started but no one quite got it, but um, what I would say is have um, find a good superintendent, find a good young superintendent coming out of one of the colleges. Uh, you've got a clubhouse that's probably closed. Um, put them up in the clubhouse. Find them, up, you know, have them and get, buy them a truck. Uh, give them a place to play. Pay them thirty-five, forty thousand dollars or something like that, and then he's the only guy. Okay, he needs a mower. He needs a tractor with a, with a, you know, old reel to reel, you know, whatever. Just cut grass, fertilize when the rain comes. If you have water, that's fine too. But um, it's it's much like you see uh, in the um, small towns uh, all across uh, Scotland and Ireland, where they may have a nine holer, and the whole town helps take care of it. Okay, you, you, these people have a stake in that community working, and their real estate values are a heck of a lot better if they've got a golf course out behind them rather than um, you know the, the wild strawberry field. Well, you and I also know that in the evenings, kids are going to play football out there or baseball. Um, it's a park. In essence, you're you're opening up a park. Now people will be playing golf, but it it's also just a park and and of course here's the unique thing you can't you can't have greens like that so instead of having greens you you just basically cut everything with your you know your your mowers and uh, from tree line to tree line let the community take care of the of the backyards to the tree lines uh, so that it's clean, uh, let the homeowners do that, and then um, put uh, a big pole, um, you know, a, a six-inch piece of PVC pipe with a stake in it, let's say, paint it white, black and white. Now, you and I tee off from wherever we want to tee off. Um, I'll play the tips, you play you play up one. Uh, we hit our ball into the fairway 150 yards out, you hit it 20 feet, uh, it's, it's basically it's the green complex, but it's it's the same as the fairways. It's all just cut at one height. You and I, uh, you hit it ten feet. I hit it twenty feet. I chip. You're not putting. I chip. Try to hit the pole. I chip. Miss. You chip. Hit. You've made three. I've made four. You're playing golf. Now yeah. that was the game in the early days in America, as well as the the parks uh, 
and the Lynx lands in Scotland. You and I would, before there was an actual golf course, we would just set out and play to Mr. Jones's fence post. And if you did it in 20 shots and I did it in, in 18, I won. Then you turn around and come back and hit Mr. Smith's fence post back in town. So this was um, a, a chance, I thought, to open up some of these golf courses that were closing and putting, um, you know, dad could come out there for 10 bucks and the kid could come out for four, for five bucks or four bucks or three bucks or whatever and uh, put, um, have the, uh, uh, have the kid um, walk with his dad for four hours for 15 bucks. Now, eventually, you know as well as I do, that kid's going to want to find a golf course and play like they see, like he sees them play on TV. But in the interim, you've got you've got a, a functioning, clean, uh, common area where there could be golf. There'd be walking your dogs. You, you, you and I played baseball and football in the streets. You know, when a car came along, we stood aside. Um, I, I just I hate to see these 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 common spaces that once were golf courses not being in use. And I think you could operate uh, if you paid a kid forty thousand and you gave him uh, a, a truck and um, you um, gave him a little bit of equipment. I think he could probably operate a golf course like that on two hundred thousand. It wouldn't wouldn't be much. You mm-hmm. could probably break even, but now the community has a golf course in the back of it as well. But whew, I'm going to tell you, Matthew. I talked to two or three people. Man. and thought it was from the moon, <laughs> so I dropped it. <laughs> you are uh, you're singing my tune because, man, that is um, again back to to the impact. What it could be, what it could do, what it could do for the game, what it could do for families, mm-hmm. communities, mm-hmm. and and everyone mm-hmm. talks about the expense of the golf. Uh, well, we kind of sometimes not, it is an expensive game and, and for a certain quality, of course, of course it will be, but, uh, but to, to hit a ball around a field, you know, that doesn't cost too much. And, um, that's, that's how I, if I'm, if I'm, I'm thinking back, you got me being real nostalgic now. Um, you know, I, I would follow my dad to the golf course and my brother to the golf course, but, uh, a few places I couldn't play because of a under certain age and, Mm -hmm. and I would just go to the open space and and hit balls at sticks and hit balls yeah. at rocks and and try to yeah. do that and that's really got what got me hooked so yeah um, yes and and I, I you <laughs> and i could have an excellent match doing that still as accomplished players we, we could we could enjoy that game we could we you know it, it, it all and and let me tell you you become a pretty damn good chipper but you got to chip and hit that pole because the fairway the greens would be the same height as the fairways you know just cut down you could spray round up into the bunkers keep the weeds out of the bunkers i think one guy with a gang mower could run around nine holes in a day he could keep that fairly clean that's all you're looking to do and uh i just i think it could generate revenue it could be the place for your um Oh, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, the kids' programs, the uh, first tee. You, yeah, you, 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 yeah. I, I don't know, but I, I, I kind of gave up on it because I, the, the 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 comments and the looks I got were just, you know, jeez. I didn't have time <laughs> to. I didn't have time. I would love for one place to do it. Yeah, and I, I'm sure we could probably get 
from the PGA, a nice little stipend, you know, 50000 a year for three years or something like that to help fund a, a place like that. I guarantee you they'd do something like that. Um, but, well, you have, uh, you have the, the emergence of uh, community golf courses happening around the country. You know, here in Chicago, we have Canal Shores, um, which is in the Evanston neighborhood, just in, in the city, a very uh, truly a city course that, you know, went into disrepair, was overgrown. And, and just like what you're talking about, it, it wasn't uh, a superintendent initially. They, they have one now, but it was community folks uh, exactly. who lived in that area going out. Exactly. A guy that I know well, Jason Way, he, he just dug a bunker. I mean, he just said, I'm going to dig a bunker Correct. with my, my kids. Correct. And, and he goes out there and he kind of maintains some stuff. And, um, you know, I, I wonder more places might be tempted to, uh, you know, build better greens and, and start, you know, spending money once they have it. But for those places Correct. that want to be sustainable, want to also be a, a, a community park for all those that don't play golf, you know, wh- what's wrong with saying, okay, our budget's going to be 100000 and that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and just see where it goes. I think it's, it's really cool. And I, I just, I commend you for, for thinking, you know, a guy like yourself with so many achievements and being at all these places, uh, Shinnecock, Carnoustie, Old Course. I mean, you've, you've seen it all for a person like yourself to, uh, to still think, you know, what's wrong with just a park and, and chipping a ball at a pole. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that gives me a lot of hope for our game. <laughs> well, I just would love to see somebody do it. It would, uh, there's plenty of golf courses that have gone fallow. I would love to see somebody do it. You know, and you were talking about the the, the neighbors um, and, and the communities taking care of it. Uh, not many people understand the artisans' role of clubs in the UK. The artisans are have a separate clubhouse. I mean, they're everywhere. Litham has one. Um, they the, I, the, uh, most of these great clubs. I think St. George's has an, an artisans club, and basically there are about thirty or forty guys who are not members of, say, Litham, but they have on the grounds a small little clubhouse of their own, and they are the the ones who keep the bunkers. They're the ones that fill the divots. And for that right, they have some playing privileges. They have club championships. They have better ball championships. They they are a subset of that club, but they help offset the cost of taking care of the golf course with just the menial task of filling divots and raking buckers and spraying out some weeds. That's the artisans club. Well, that is in essence what we're talking about here. We're talking about the 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 community more or less. I live at one here in Buford. It's a wonderful little community I live in called Pleasant Point. They they the, the, it went fallow. I approached them about this park concept some time ago, and um, you know didn't you know get anywhere. But the um, uh, four or five of the guys put up like a hundred grand. To, to rework the greens, clean it up, get it out. And now uh, it's a thriving little golf course. Is, 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 it, is it secession? Heavens no. But is it golf? Heavens yes. Yes. They put in, um, I think, Zoysia greens or something, so they're, they're kind of easy to take care of. Uh, they're, um, I, I just I, I, I love that. And, uh, and that gets back to simplicity again. That's what started the conversation. It's simple. It's simple, and and it's not highbrowed. It's not. I mean, I, I sit at one of the finest clubs in the country, but I live at a place that's a, it's an artisans community, virtually, where they're taking care of their golf course. And now, you know, through the years since they've been they've been at it three or four years now, 
Heavens, they didn't have two carts in the parking lot to start with. I think there's a freaking fleet over there now. There's people playing it every day, and you can play for twenty bucks or something. Well, that's cool. That works. That works. And and there's plenty of room for even something below that, where you've you've got this housing community that's 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 still thriving as a homeowners, but there's not twenty guys or out of the three hundred or fifty guys out of the three hundred homes sold that play golf. Well, what happens to that golf course? That's a problem. That's a problem. And here's a way to get that taken care of. And um, I, 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 but I've, whew, I mean, it takes a guy like you with a huge golf IQ to understand it. But um, I think you'll see it happen one day. And when it happens once, it's going to happen again. Because the, the, the golf industry was so overbuilt, you're still going to see shrinkage, I think, in the golf courses. And then as a club closes, the assimilation into the area clubs around it uh, heightens the and improves the clubs uh, in the area. So you're going to see more, I think, probably another 10 or 20% perhaps eventually fade away. That hurts the the cart manufacturers and the club you know, people, but for the most part, the game has helped because now you're getting back to where we were probably, what, 70s and 80s, you know, as far as golf courses are concerned. But it's it's uh, it doesn't always have to be Augusta style, that's for sure. It's about playing the game. And that dad can go out there and play with his kid for 10 or 15 bucks. Oof, that's, that's special. That becomes special, and as far as growing the game, that kid, if he has, if he if he takes to it like we all have, because it's just the most magnificent game in the world, you, he's going to want to go play the next place that has greens, and now he's becomes you know a golfer probably for the rest of his life. So it's a, it's 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 all about the game, and 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 there's hundreds of different avenues in the game. Just like our place here, I mean, there's not five or six clubs in the world structured like this one. Start. Yeah. Well, well, like you're. Uh, I, I think you, uh, you, you've probably planted the seed. You know, we got a lot of passionate golfers in our community, and um, I myself am probably going to, you know, get on Google Maps and start looking at some of these uh, abandoned, closed down golf courses, and and start planning my, my routing for some park <laughs> golf next. Cause, uh, I just, I like taking those impractical ideas that some people might not see. And, and, uh, uh, you never know. You never know. That's well, that's and, really and I think, cool. don't you think that's a great name for it? Because it really is a park where they're just playing golf. Yeah. Just yeah, like I, still... the parks in Edinburgh and uh, the parks in, in uh, Charleston at Halston Green, which is kind of the first accounting of golf being played in the early 1700s. That's the reason why the, the red jackets of the RNA are red, is it was a warning to people that were picnicking in the park that a couple of idiots <laughs> were coming through, you know, and firing rocks at them or something, you know? I mean, <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. my first visit to, to St. Andrews. I didn't, it was a Sunday is when I arrived and I go, uh-huh. well, where, where, where are the caddies? Where are the clubs? Or all these people are walking around out here, but nobody's hitting exactly. any shots. And they go, yeah, they're having picnics. It's, it's Sunday. You know? It's a park. <laughs> and I, I, my jaw was, must've been sitting on the turf. It was, well, I, it, it, that's the beauty of the game right there. And, uh, it, it, it doesn't have to always be, 
you know, at the at the, the pinnacle, you know, yeah. places spend two million dollars for grounds for for the golf course. I mean, heavens, it's beautiful, and 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 we spend a, a chunk on ours for sure. Um, but it also can be at the other levels as well. And yeah. um, I, there's no reason that uh, we we can't make that work in my book. But uh, I mean, it, it'll take somebody like you. I think Mr. Nicholas had a similar idea uh, at some point. You know, he's a bright guy. He's the one who talked about playing forward. And I'm not too keen on the bigger cup idea. But, um, uh, you know, we need to – there's a whole generation now of seniors who are finally getting it and moving forward and playing a thing up, playing where it's it's supposed to be. I'll tell you this one story about that. Mr. Ransom, Ernie Ransom, 20 years, 25, 30 years, the chairman of, of Pine Valley. Highest golf IQ I ever knew. He he called me up one day. He was 82, and I didn't know it at the time. He was a member here for 25 years or so. I didn't know it at the time, but he's calling me to play golf. What I didn't know was that it was his last time to play golf here. I didn't know that at the time. He said, why don't we play one day next week? We picked a day. He said, I'll get there about uh, 1 o'clock. We'll play at 2. And I think we had lunch before. And just He said, just the two of us. It was adamant about not pairing up anybody. And... um uh, so we we meet we meet on the putting green. Uh, he said, "Pro, you play wherever you want to, and I'll play wherever I want to." I said, "That's fine." I was wondering what we were going to do there. So I teed off for whatever I did and hit it, hit it out in the fairway on one. And um, so I walked down and we walked down to the lower tee and walked past the lower tee and walked halfway out onto the walkway on one. And he teed it up in the middle of the walkway. And hit it out into one fairway. Hit it right in the middle of the face. But he's 82. Not hitting it very far. And I didn't say anything at that point. I thought, well, that's cool. He just couldn't make the cover on one. Because that's a pretty nasty little cover. And um, two, we played you know, from the tee box, short par three. And on three, I teed off. And we walked 75 yards down the fairway on three. And he teed it up. I said, what are you doing here? So this is very interesting. What are you doing? He said, I hit it, still hit it pretty solid, but I, I can't hit it very far. What I'm trying to do is get the club that the designer had designed the hole for into my hand. So I know how far I hit my driver. If it was meant to be an 8-iron, I'll walk up as far as I can to get an 8 or a 9-iron in my hand. If the hole was designed to hit a, a, a long iron or utility to, I'll play from the point that gives me a utility into the claw, into the green. That is the highest order of golf IQ. <laughs> that is that yeah. just stunned me. I uh, I love that, and and more and more people need to realize that the golf course was designed. If the if the seventy year old isn't able to hit his ball more than a couple of hundred yards, the the three hundred and seventy five yard par four that you and I hit driver wedge to, he's hitting utilities to and three woods to, or not reaching at all just because he's too stubborn to move up. Well, he can't move up. I mean, if he moves up and gets what the other eight or the nine in his hand he's going to enjoy the golf a lot better at 80 years old you think ernie cared about his handicap happens no he, <laughs> yeah. he wasn't yeah. posting a handicap he just wanted to play well that that's the that again is the the beauty and the simplicity of our game and uh we need to get back to that and I, and I, and, and it'll take guys like you 
to continue to, and you're following to to foster that i've been able to almost create a club around that those ideals the simplicity of of these of this place the simplicity of myopia uh the simplicity of prestwick that's what this game is all about. It's not the puffery of you know paying a million dollars and thirty thousand a year to join a club. No, that's that's something beside the game. And uh, uh, if we can get back to that into a simpler, more time, I think we've and, and that look that's a byproduct of our prosperity. And the Lord's blessed this nation incredibly. This is the most prosperous nation in the history of the world. Uh, some of the Asian societies could probably parallel, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. But in modern society, this is the most prosperous nation the world has seen. And and so we get hung up on, well, our sushi's better than your sushi. Uh, our greens are 13, and yours are only 12 and a half. Good God, give me a break! <laughs> I, I hate that stuff. That's not what it's about. But it's it's devolved into that. Not so overseas. Simpler, right? Simpler, and this that was the model here. Simple, and there are a handful here that are that way. Uh, well, more than a handful. There's a ton of them. You just don't hear about them because they don't care. They don't right. care if you hear about them. What what you just what you just said? I I, I was going to ask you to uh, you know maybe just share a message or. Um, some to to wrap up just something to share with our member and our community base of uh, that they can take the game with them i i think that's it what you just said you know your simplicity uh, your simple approach to the club to the course to the game um your respect for tradition and and holding on to that and protecting that and just uh the the passion that you speak about the game in such a gentle way it's um it, it's really inspiring for what we're trying to do and wow. and i know uh, a lot of our people are going to appreciate you taking the time to uh, to chat with us for this. Well, this thank you, thank you. This is a delight, and um, I think you and I could talk for six more hours, don't you think? Easy, easy. And I plan to eventually, <laughs> Mike. If you'll have me, I will be there to ask you the other hundred questions I have. Um, well, this was an honor, Matthew. Thank you, and um, um, and um, congrats to to your followers. It sounds like they're a similar ilk, and uh, this is a a magnificent game, one that has to be, you know, one that's to be uh, treasured and and honored, but also one that has to be protected. We have to protect this stuff. We have to. And I think the game of golf probably more than anybody has, has uh, accomplished that. I must say I was kind of disappointed to see the golfers in shorts in practice rounds for the PGA. You know, that's to me that's kind of an erosion. There's something traditional about it. I know it's 1,000 freaking degrees out there. It's 1,000 degrees here. But, um, you know, I, there was something that didn't sit right with me. I guess it's it's okay. But, uh you know, you look back at the Hogans and the Sneeds and the Nicholases. Uh, I mean, can you ever fathom seeing Nicholas in shorts in a practice round? Just, yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm with you. I, I like, you know, them to, to to be comfortable, all that. But but you're right. There's, you know, seeing Tiger in, in shorts kind of something something throws me off there. And, and it's yeah, just, someone uh, right. Yeah, it's like music on the golf course. No. <laughs> sure. No. Yeah. I, well, I, just, I just can't hack that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it has to be protected. And uh, it's protected by people like you. It's protected by the people that are following you. 
and um um and and I've been fortunate to 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 help protect it in a small way here. So uh it's a glorious game and 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 one that um we're just honored to to be a part of. That was Mike Harmon, Director of Golf at Secession Golf Club in South Carolina. Thank you, Mike, for sharing your knowledge, spirit, and love for the game. I look forward to seeing you again soon.